This is Radio Influence, podcasting redefined. As America's zone coach, premier thought leader, and the world's number one coach of champions, Jim Fannin is the go-to person. He has guided the careers of the best pro athletes from 10 sports and business executives from 50 industries. He has coached individuals, families, relationships, and students in simplifying and balancing their lives for more than 40 years. From winning Wimbledon, the World Series, and a gold medal, to losing 68 pounds, saving lost marriages, or overcoming financial ruin, Jim Fannin has been behind the scenes guiding individuals through the intricate process of peak performance. His success tools are not just for the superstar. They're designed to help you reach your full potential as you tap into life's most successful mindset, the zone. And now, please welcome the coach of champions and America's zone coach, Jim Fannin. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Jim Fannin Show. I'm Jim Fannin. My name is Seth, Jim Psychic and producer here on America's Most Positive Podcast. Coming back with another week where this is going to apply no matter what's going on in your life. And I'm, I'm pretty excited about getting into this thing. Jim, what's on your mind? Culture. Culture. I, and I, I'm not talking uh, about bacteria in a petri, in a petri dish. <laughs> that would so, be an interesting episode. I'm not, yeah. yeah, I'm not going total uh, science on you. No, I, I've been really pondering culture. Uh, I, I have requests on a regular basis for companies to help them completely change their culture, uh, which is can be a daunting task. Um, and teams that have acquired new companies. they blended cultures. Uh, now they've got this homogenized uh, group of attitudes, and uh, they'd like to get everybody on the same page. Uh, that's a definite challenge. And if it's a hostile takeover, well, that's definitely uh, a challenge. So I, I, I've been thinking about the culture, and I, I think we just start off, what is culture? What, what does it mean? You know, there's a dictionary definition it's the set of shared and a key word attitudes values goals and practices that characterizes an institution or an organization as in a corporate culture uh yeah they're money hungry they're focused on the bottom line uh they don't care about their employees uh they care more about their shareholders and that's got a very, very stringent, tough, uh, kind of antisocial culture. And, and there's companies like that. Yeah. And, and typically, the culture emanates from the founder. Uh, and then I, I've seen where the founder developed this culture because he was hands-on, uh, entrepreneur. He had passion in the product or service that he created, invented, or uh, got fired up on how to, you know, distribute. Um, and then all of a sudden, uh, they start making a lot of money. Uh, a thousand employees come in, uh, that entrepreneurial spirit, which emanated from the founder, uh, is a mere picture on the wall and they celebrate his birthday and the culture, uh, takes off according to their board, according to their, uh, financial advisors. And the next thing you know, it's not how it was initially created, which made them successful. Um, so if you have a company 
or you want to build a company, uh, you need to keep your eye on the culture because uh, uh, it will come back to haunt you or bite you or it will come back to elevate you and uh, take you to even greater heights. The culture is the collective thought process of all the individuals within that corporation. What are they thinking? And I've told so many CEOs, your team is only as good as what they think when you're not there. Yeah. When you're, when you're not there. So uh, it is shared attitudes, values, goals, and practices. And some teams, some companies, uh, they have um, a certain set of standards, but they also have a process. Uh, for example, every September, every Labor Day, uh, the company uh, closes its doors and the entire company benefits uh, a local, regional, sometimes even a national charity. So part of that cult culture is giving back to the community. It, it's just the way of the company that typically uh, comes from the heart uh, and the soul of the founder or or the leader. But but having regular uh, regular things that happen in the company. For example, how do you hire someone? Uh, we've got a guest on today. We're going to talk about hiring. Is there a process in hiring? Is there a 90-day onboarding that person to acclimate them to the culture and to get them woven inside the culture? And I, then I think the other defining uh, point of any culture of a company, how about firing somebody? How about when you let somebody go? Hey, don't let the door hit you in the rear end on the way out, you know? <laughs> See you later, you jerk. I, that guy's an idiot. He shouldn't even. But well, when someone's fired, you, the boss, you failed. Not not the person that you fired. No, management failed. You hired this person very poorly, or you trained them very poorly. And I, I've seen so many companies that are well-meaning, but they have a culture. When they get rid of you, they talk bad about you. And uh, and that's just uncomfortable for everybody. It's uh, uncomfortable. It's like, wow, what, what are they going to do if I leave? <laughs> you know, I, I was thinking about leaving. I was thinking about leaving on my 25th anniversary of being here, you, you know. Uh, so how you onboard uh, a new hire, how you exit someone with an exit survey. And, and Seth, well, what's our parting gift for Bob who's leaving after 10 years? Yes, Bob dipped into the till, but uh, what's our parting gift? <laughs> you know, you know what is the culture of hiring, of firing, uh, of handling disputes, uh, of meetings? I'm coaching several multinational companies. They have tens of thousands of employees uh, all over the globe. Uh, one, that I'm not going to mention their name. I've mentioned them before, but I'm not going to mention them right now. But I, I will tell you that being on their campus... And, and I'm I'm saying that literally, they have a campus. Uh, it is a giant, chaotic free for all. Uh, the campus is open twenty four seven. People come and go at will. Everybody does have three things. They they have their responsibility. 
They are held accountable and they have their authority. And that has empowered the individual. Most companies don't uh, have that uh, so uh, delicately laid out. What's your responsibility of being in this company? Oh, I, I need to do this, this, and this. I'm responsible for that. What are you going to be held accountable for? Uh, yes, we're going to measure your results and hold you accountable. Uh, even if it uh, happened to somebody else on your team, you're the team leader. You're held accountable. And then what do you have the authority to do or not do? Uh, can you write a $50,000 check on the company? Uh, no, no, you can't do that. You do not have the authority. But those three things empower someone. Uh, but this particular company, uh, everyone seemed empowered because I did see the responsibility, authority, accountability. I saw it written out. But there was a, there was a what have you done for me lately depression uh, in the company, a, a, a malaise that was like this invisible fog almost where uh, people were not in the zone. This is a well-known company. And if I said it, you'd be like, oh, my goodness. It's touched everybody that you know listening right now. But that culture, even though it does spawn creativity, it does spawn imagination because it gives people, you know, I, I got an idea. It's 2 a.m. I think I'll pop into the campus and, uh, you know, work on it. It gives you the latitude to do that. But there was something there in the culture um, that was uh, negative. Uh, people felt pressure quarterly pressure. And I think if you look at America corporate culture, it is what have you done for me lately. They measure everything by the quarter. Uh, so uh, sometimes imagination, creativity, and free, free flow thinking go out the window for corporate profits. Uh, yeah, it's a great idea, but uh, we're not doing it because uh, we're behind in our uh, quarterly sales, and this is what we're doing. Uh, this product's going to take a haircut. We're going to move this inventory, and all that matters is our P&L statement when the quarter's over or when the month is over. And that kind of culture, uh, stress runs downhill, so it starts uphill with the shareholders, with the uh, stakeholders in the company, and it runs downhill all the way to the receptionist. And, and if you want to really look at the culture of a company, Go look at the contact points of a company that those contact points with the general public. So you go into a car dealership and, hey, how are you doing? Good to see you. And everybody's happy. And, you know, they're going to show me around the dealership and sell me a car and balloons. And, oh, I have some popcorn and we're cooking it up. And, man, it smells great in here. I love popcorn. I, I was in a, a Range Rover dealership. Uh, looking at some cars, and uh, they were cooking up popcorn, and the <laughs> culture seemed really, really happy. Um, go talk to the uh, cashier, and she's not interested. Just pay up, and we'll see you later. Uh, the customer service doesn't belong there for whatever reason, obviously. So that's a different culture. Or how about somebody answering the phone, uh, and they're inconsistent? You know, I really recommend that uh, you take these touch points where you have humans on your team interacting with third parties, prospects, clients, even vendors. 
where's the happiness and where's the positivity? Good morning. It's a great day at Jim Fannin Brands. My name's Jim. How may I help you? Oh, that's that's positive. Uh, can you make that consistent? So I, I would spend more uh, time uh, than normal with those touch points uh, because when someone's trained to influence thoughts of a stranger that's called into a company, um, you can feel it. You can feel it uh, as one of the employees. Absolutely. And this is one of those things that, you know, also is going to go kind of across the board. I mean, you know, Little League team, PTA, professional sports team, all these things are going to apply across the board. Every time a group of people get together, you wind up with a corporate culture. Uh, you know, specifically in business, it's going to be the one that uh, makes you or costs you the most money. And unless you're walking around thinking about this, you think about how most people walk into work. There's a list that you've already got in your head, right? You've got 15 things to do. And a lot of times you don't stop to look around and go, okay, how's everybody doing? What's the positivity like around here? Well, how about not knowing everybody's name? How about not knowing everybody that directly reports to you? You have eight direct reports. Uh, what's Bob's wife's name? And when's Bob and his wife's anniversary of their wedding? Those are milestones that's important to Bob. Uh, how many kids does Bob have? That's important to Bob. When are their birthday? Hey, Bob, uh, your son's got a birthday today. Uh, 20. Wow. You made it. You made it through those teenage years. Awesome, Bob. <laughs> well, you know what? But you want to connect with people on a human level, on a positive attitudinal level. Uh, but I've had many CEOs that didn't have a clue. Or worse, I, I was working for a company one time. I had about 200 employees. And the CEO just kept calling me Sam instead of <laughs> Seth. And so I went to his admin and I was like, can, can you like tell him what my name is so I don't have to do that? And she did. And it stuck for about a week. And then I went back to being Sam. Oh, my that, God. That doesn't exactly inspire a lot of loyalty. <laughs> I mean, I didn't slack off on my job. But those little things. I, I got to Sam, that is so funny. <laughs> I, I got to tell you something. I was thinking about you, Sam, and it, that's, hy that's hysterical. But, uh, yeah, I mean, it, it's very impersonal, and it's, it's putting dollars uh, over cents. And I'm talking common sense, not, not pennies and nickels. Uh, this is common sense. Um, when you get to your office and you're the boss, maybe you head up a department, maybe a division, well, don't go into your office and check your email and grab coffee, start going through papers and attacking your to-do list. I really recommend walk in the garden. Spend 5, 10, 20 minutes. And if you own a factory and it's walkable in a half an hour, go walk the factory, walk the garden, say hello to everybody. It is amazing how... Uh, a boss, a CEO, someone with, with authority, someone that's responsible for my paycheck, one kind word can change my day. Calling you Sam when your name is Seth, well, that's not very endearing, and uh, that's a culture that's insensitive, doesn't really care about who you are. That's what this show's about today. It's about what is the culture of your company, your department, your team, and how do you want to change it? 
I've talked about the 2000 Seattle Mariners who uh, developed a winning culture with no superstars. It started with six people. Uh, in reality, it started with a manager, Lou Pinella, who gave the green light uh, to myself and uh, Mike Cameron, who I was coaching at the time, to say, yeah, go for it. Uh, you, you can uh, police the attitude of our team. And six men on that team changed, adjusted, managed uh, the entire culture of the Mariners. And um, I, I didn't hear a negative out of that team in the locker room, which is amazing. I, I, I heard no gossip, no rumors, no hearsay. Uh, I heard no second guessing uh, Lou Pinella. Uh, I didn't even hear um, an opposing team's name even being mentioned. Oh, we're playing the Yankees today or whoever it is. I never heard that. It was all for one, one for all. It was a winning culture. 25 men were there. They had the responsibility to get themselves ready. They had the authority uh, to prepare pretty much how they needed within the time constraints pregame. And um, they were held accountable. And if you weren't producing, then someone else would take your place. Uh, but it was all under the umbrella of winning. Yeah. And we, we don't mention this a ton because we want to focus on the positive, but you know, you say the opposite of the zone is the downs, right? You get pulled into this this place of negativity. Oh, my goodness. Right? And, and, Seth, the downs is a mild or severe depression. And, yeah, there's five levels of being in the zone, and this is for individuals and companies and corporations and entities. But uh, the downs is, da-da-da-da. Uh, it's, uh, I don't want to go to work today. And, and when you're in the downs, uh, you attract and pull other people into the downs. One rotten apple can spoil the barrel. Uh, one negative person that's in the downs can uh, seep into the crawl spaces of the company. Uh, it, it fosters gossip, uh, false rumors. Uh, people start talking about things that don't even pertain to the company, religion, uh, they bring politics in. Um, there's uh, divisive rhetoric. Uh, shoulda, coulda, and woulda. Those three imposters of champions uh, are prevalent in, in a culture uh, that is negative. But the downs is real. I mean, think about it. We've all had our at least our little toe, maybe a big toe, sometimes a, an entire uh, lower half of your body, into that mindset, that cesspool called the downs. And, and, and there also resides apathy. Oh, did you hear what happened to so-and-so? I don't give a hoot. I could care less. I don't care what happens to him. Wow. Really? No, I don't care. He don't care about me. So why should I care about him? I'm just doing my job. I'm just doing my job, Sam. I'm just doing my job. <laughs> so... It, you know, it, it, this talk, uh, these thoughts, collectively, well, they emanate from the top. Stress runs downhill. So you get a boss that's depressed, and he's negative. Don't forget, every thought that each human has, including us and everyone listening, every thought you have is being broadcast. What? Oh, that's, that's kind of scary. Wait a minute. Every thought I have in my head that I think I can only hear, 
and no one else can hear is being broadcast. Yeah, that, that, that's the good news, really. Good news? Uh, yeah, if you're thinking positive, but that is the negative news because you can read my body language. When I, someone says something and I go, yeah, right. I don't say, yeah, right, but I roll my eyes in sarcasm. Yeah, right. Like, that's going to happen. It's body language that is readable by anybody that can see you. It's also every thought has an emotional tell. You can be poker-faced and do your best not to reveal that negative body language, but I feel like I feel horrible. I'm sad. I'm upset. I'm angry. Uh, whatever that emotion that I'm feeling, uh, I'm leaving it out on my sleeve. That's picked up by anybody near me. But the one part of your thought that has a reaction that cannot be masked is your intuitive vibe. You just get a vibe that something's awry, something's not going well. And we've all picked that up. We've gone to the big box retail outlets and a minimum wage person uh, that was hired swiftly, trained poorly, not supervised regularly, and they're sitting there reading the box about the product that they're trying to sell me like they're an expert and they're reading the box, which I can read the box. And we've all, you know, been to places like that. And it's like, do they really care about me? Not really. Buy the box, leave the store, buy some more, and pretty much that's it. And then I've been in cultures who... They don't even want your email. Or I've been in cultures that they get your email and they pound you in a negative way on buying more instead of nurturing my trust, um, give, 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 and then pitch, uh, which is a classic way of uh, uh, getting uh, people to be on your side and, and, and come into our culture. It's win-win. We want the consumer to win, not just our shareholders. So... Uh, another international multinational uh, company that I coached, they were so rigid. They had too much self-discipline and they were disciplined. Most disciplined company I've ever been around. It's a major fortune 10 company. They were focused. Everything was measured and it was so buttoned down on processes, and they were famous for the processes, but they were low in relaxation and enjoyment, and the burnout, it, it was there. You could feel it. So I've got two international companies I'm coaching right now, and I, I'm picking up negative vibes from a culture that is not positive. Who controls the culture? Well, it starts at the top, as I said at the top of this. Uh, broadcast, stress runs downhill. It don't run uphill. It runs downhill from the board uh, who doesn't care about your people, but we care about our profits all the way down to the 
person that uh, answers the phone. Walk the garden of your company today. Ask questions. Look around. Look people in the eye. Address people by name. That first 90 seconds, you see a team member. That 90 seconds, when I see you and I haven't seen you for at least two hours, you know, I've been home, you've been home, now we're back in the company headquarters. That first 90 seconds, I see you, says, hey, I missed you. I value you. I need you as part of this organization. What are you broadcasting? Are you broadcasting a positive, inclusive culture? Or are you broadcasting, hey, what have you done for me lately? Let's make some money, and I, I, I need more money. Feed the beast. Feed the beast. You know what? I actually have a good friend that uh, he's got his own company, and he, he uh, has a, a dad who's got a, a fairly large kind of company in the, um, the, in the construction space, right? And so the son goes to the dad's company on, uh, to meet him for lunch, and just asked five employees at random, would you rather have 100 bucks or would you rather have just 20 minutes to talk to the CEO about whatever? I mean, just, just to see. All five of them said, I'd rather just have 20 minutes with the CEO. And so a lot of times we get caught up in this idea that money is the only thing that motivates people. And a lot of times if you're in leadership, if you're in management, just you, just you making eye contact, just you paying attention actually is a huge thing for people. And, and that's contributing to the culture. Uh, And and the top three motivators in the Fortune 500 queried to 1,000 executives. 1,000 executives were surveyed. uh, What motivates you? Number one, I'm appreciated for what I do. I am appreciated. Um, A pat on the back. Uh, A mention in a newsletter. Uh, a positive shout-out in a small meeting. Positive shout-out in a large meeting. I am appreciated for my work. Second, I'm an integral part of something greater than myself. How many people don't know where the company's going to be in one year, two years, five years? Why? Why is that? No one's told us. I just need to go down and use this widget machine, and then I go home. But I'm not a part of something greater than myself. Um, A bank that I helped turn around from a very small bank to a very large billion-dollar bank, Uh, and I've told this story, and that's in uh, several of my books, uh, because I was so impressed by it. Uh, They created a mission statement that they asked their employees to memorize. And you know how that goes. You know, you you got a couple of hundred employees. What are the odds on everybody being able to stand up and recite the mission statement verbatim? Uh, If you do that with your company right now, if you have a mission statement, good luck on uh, the results on that. But this company took it uh, really to the nth degree. Uh, The two principals of the bank walked around with a wad of cash and at random, hey, Sam, do you know the mission statement? Oh, Seth, that's you. <laughs> Seth, Seth, get used to your name. I'm going to call you Sam for the rest of the show. In fact, we may change your name <laughs> to Sam. Sam. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, why not? And But 
they would give, if you did it verbatim, here's $20. They'd hold up a 50 in a meeting. And they'd look around and go, Seth, what's the mission statement? Holy crap. Now, now you're under fire. You, you got 20, 30 people looking at you. The CEO of the company is, you're on. Recite it. And if you're off one word, no money. But if you get it, here's 50 bucks. Here's 100 bucks. Pretty amazing. Everybody in that company um, knew the mission statement. Then they took it one step further. They created a new corporate logo. They got everybody involved. And they shared it with everybody on the team. And they practiced their new slogan all the way down to the teller of the bank well before the public realized it. I've also been in uh, cultures where the employees were the last to know about the advertising that was in the paper or in a magazine. And somebody walks in and goes, hey, I heard this. Uh, there's a sale on uh, this Taurus. Uh, what's up with that? And he goes, I don't, I don't know. And the guy's showing him uh, an ad that the company put in. Uh, I don't know. Let me check. I, I, I haven't heard of that. How is that possible? That's a culture of uh, confusion and uh, uh, no cohesiveness. Uh, and I'm not an integral part of something greater than myself because I don't know even what our own advertising is. I think internal marketing is one thing that can help bolster the culture. You know, do you have a weekly newsletter? Do you have a simple, direct reporting system? Do you have a culture that has four, five, or six things on the calendar that all of us are involved with? A charity. Uh, uh, when we talk to our, our guest, uh, who's the CEO, the president of EmployCo, uh, one of the nation's top HR companies for small uh, business to medium-sized business. When we talk to Rob Wilson, uh, he's going to address some of the things he's done for his company, but also some of the things that he's recommending uh, to other companies on how to foster that great culture. And, and let's make it straight. Uh, you want a zone culture of self-discipline, concentration, optimism, but you also need a culture of relaxation, and enjoyment. So a company has a score level, and it's the heartbeat of the overarching attitude and thoughts of everybody in the company. And so the company has its own score level made up of the thoughts and individual score levels of, of the group. Uh, that would be interesting if you do have a company to assess the score level. How's my self-discipline in my company? Uh, is everybody uh, have the commitment and willingness to stay with their tasks that leads to the whole of the company? And does everybody know the five-year plan, one-year plan, where the company's going? Uh, are we all focused on the same things, uh, overarching same things? Uh, we've got individual things to do, obviously. Um, and, and are we confident? in our products, in our services? Does the culture reflect that confidence? But also, are we relaxed? 
are, do our customers and prospects, do they feel the stress that I got to make some sales? It was amazing. In one car company that I was coaching, it was a dealership down in Miami. Um, I said, quit selling. Okay, what? We're now going to go out of business. <laughs> I mean, this is going to be over real yeah, quick. No, I said, you know, you, you want to inspire and motivate uh, people to improve their quality of transportation at a price they can afford. That's a win-win scenario. And all the sales personnel got behind that. We, we don't sell you. We inspire you. We motivate you to improve your quality of transportation at a price that you can afford. And once we started that culture of not pressure selling, not put people in a vice, not trying to close them out and get that sale so I can meet my quota at the end of the month, uh, once that was taken away, sales increased substantially. So there was a culture change, and that culture change was broadcast to the prospects and sales increased. This show is about culture. It's about being in the zone as a company. What's the weakest link in your company? Does your company need some enjoyment? Does your company need more discipline? Does your company need more optimism? Well, you're the CEO. You're the team leader. Take the pulse of your team and company, uh, and then you'll know what to do. And don't forget, stress runs downhill. It starts from the C-suite and runs all the way down to the factory floor or to the person picking it up and going, hey, it's a great day at Jim Fannin Brands. I'm Jim. May I help you? All the way down to the receptionist. Let's go ahead and uh, get into this. going to get our guest on here, Rob Wilson. Oh, I'm, I'm looking forward to it. Rob's our go-to person. Uh, he's on uh, uh, radio. He's on TV. He's on podcasts talking about culture. Uh, he's talking uh, literally uh, about how you can make your company better and do that through your employees and your team members. Yeah, let's get Rob, our expert, on the line. Rob Wilson, welcome to the Jim Fannin Show. Hey, Rob. Hey, Jim. How are you? Rob, I am two levels above awesome. I, I'm in the zone, and we're talking about uh, something that uh, you're an expert at. We're talking about corporate culture, attitude, and how it flows from the top all the way down to the person answering the phone. And tell us a little bit about your company, EmployCo, you're an HR company, human resource, the resource that every company uh, has, but we companies don't always uh, take that resource and uh, uh, make it better and wield it in the most positive light. And uh, that's really where you come in. Tell us a little bit about EmployCo, and then let's take a deep dive into the culture of a company. Sure. So HR, uh, EmployCo is an HR outsourcing company. So we help companies uh, with their employee engagement, their culture, their employee relations, everything HR start to finish, and then uh, their payroll, workers' comp, and employee benefits. So we can help them buy employee benefits in volume to, one, provide better benefits at a greater discount. So we, uh, our goal, HR solutions for businesses, and uh, at the same time, saving clients time and money. Well, we, we talked, uh, your company has been extremely successful. You have uh, 
uh, hundreds of clients. One thing I like about your company, even though you have a lot of clients uh, in every state, uh, I believe, except Alaska, and you still treat everybody uh, as if it's your only client. And your white glove service, your accessibility, not just for you, but to your team, uh, really has set you apart. Uh, I want to talk about three things that we've mentioned, and maybe you can address them. Uh, A survey to the Fortune uh, uh, 500, 1,000 executives, what motivates me and inspires me in my company. Number one, I'm an integral part of something greater than myself. Number uh, excuse me, number one was I'm appreciated. Number two, I'm an integral part of something greater than themselves. And number three was about money, but that also included benefits. Um, talk about uh, the third one first, the benefits, and how important that is for a company. Sure, absolutely. So all, all three of those items are very important in today's, uh, today's business landscape when you want to... Uh, Retain your best uh, best talent, as well as attract new uh, new team members. The, the benefits it's important when you look at buying healthcare, and not just your healthcare, but your four hundred one k, your five twenty nine, uh, all of your other benefits. It's it's very important. Uh, two things: one, not only to have a great benefit program, but also have a competitively priced benefit program. So you're you're seeing. Uh, that's the first thing when you uh, people are looking for a job. They want to know, of course, they want to know what their salary is. But uh, when uh, when they come home and are talking with their family about a potential job offer, a key question is, what are the benefits going to look like? Well, and, and there's some new benefits that are really coming to the forefront. I'm not sure it's trickled down to the small businesses, but maternity leave for dad, that's new. And I, I know there's some international companies that are, providing maternity leave uh, for dad. Uh, I'm not talking single dad. Uh, You know, he's married, his wife uh, possibly taking maternity leave from her company. uh, And all of a sudden he gets maternity leave. That's something new. It is. You you haven't, you've seen some of the larger companies do that. You haven't seen that a lot on the small to medium sized companies. You, You are seeing it definitely on the larger sized companies now. Uh, in some cases, the smaller companies, they may not have the bandwidth to uh, cover that uh, that time being off or financially be able to afford it. But you are seeing it on some of the larger companies. What what other benefits uh, besides the obvious health care? Health care is a, a big one, 401k matching and all that. What are some other benefits that you've recommended to, to your clients? Well, as you look at the, I think the benefits in your culture go hand in hand with looking at uh, how do I want to shape the culture of, of my company. You can do easy things, easy benefit things, like in, uh, like company outings. Uh, we we, for example, outside outings, we and several of our clients, they you get a paid day off for your birthday, and you have to take it within two weeks of your birthday. So it's a, it's a benefit and an incentive, and everybody feels good about it, uh, and it's not. Exp- it's, it's not expensive benefit either. It's it costs you one day of pay for uh, for every employee as long as they take it off. But uh, you know you're seeing LifeLock is an important benefit these days. That uh, you know when you look at identity theft, it's it's never been a bigger issue than it has now. Uh, they have uh, 529 plans. There's a there's a pretty wide variety of benefits. But I think as you as you look at the overall culture of the company and uh, 
and you want to build a, a great team and retain them. Well, and, and that that includes uh, gym membership, uh, yoga, uh, you know, memberships to a yoga facility, bringing a massage therapist into the company for the day. Everybody's getting chair massages. So there are, there are all kinds of small things that really says we appreciate you. Um, and, of course, happy uh, team members, uh, hopefully, that, that translates into happy uh, customers and and prospects that go, wow, this is uh, this is a place I'd like to do business with. I like how they they treat their employees. Um, an integral part of something greater than themselves. Uh, that was number two on the list. Um, how do you how do you de- develop that in a company? I think there's a couple ways. One, uh, better better corporate communication to all your employees. And, a, and a, a big area that we've spent a lot of time with our clients are when you look at employee engagement and uh, and being a part of something bigger. We've we've worked with our clients to rework their performance reviews, and within the reviews, we're we've, we're helping them tie in their company goals into the individual departmental and individual reviews, so that you, as an employee, can see that you're part of something bigger and what might what impact my job has on the overall corporate goals, and then helping, uh, one, not just rework that, but helping our, our clients, their supervisors, to train them on how to do better performance reviews to, so it's a much more positive experience than a, an experience of, you know, for, uh, for years, performance reviews are, you're really bad at this. We're, so so, I, so I, I have a welding company. I've got 10 people on, on payroll. Uh, we do welding jobs and it's a company like that where why am I going to do a review? I'll, I talk to you every day. I'm telling you how I'm doing every day. So you're saying uh, if you really want to develop this culture, uh, we should have formal reviews even for the small business owner and your company can help me create those reviews so that they're consistent um, and they mean something. And, and so you do this with the uh, CEO or the principal of a company? Exactly, and, and help uh, it all the way down through the entire company so that, you know, if I'm working as a welder for eight hours a day, uh, you know, it's day in, day out, what, where does that, what does that do in the bigger picture of the company? And, and so it's, we've had a lot of great success with that, and it's really helped with the, with the engagement to, for, for employees to feel that I am – uh, integral part of something bigger. Uh, this is a question that's going out into the just into the air to any CEO. Uh, do you know where your corporate handbook, employee handbook, is, and how long will it take you to find it? And have you read it? And have you updated it recently? Uh, it, it, just asking that question. There's got to be a lot of people that don't have a corporate handbook, employee handbook, kind of the rules of the road of the entity. Uh, talk a little bit about that employee handbook and how big a deal is it? it you know, it's, it's something that you need to update every year, every, you know, especially, well, especially if you're a multi-state business. But with when you look at uh, transgender issues, discrimination to medical marijuana in the workplace, to recreational marijuana, there's so many new laws and regulatory issues that change every year 
that uh, you really need to be updating your handbook every year. And, and do you help uh, companies uh, figure out uh, how much vacation time and uh, and does it roll over if I don't take it? Can it roll over next year so I can take a mega vacation? Uh, do you sit down and uh, give them some parameters and what they can do and actually give them give uh, uh, an owner some advice? We, we do. We, we walk them through. Some do vacation, some do PTO. But throughout the whole handbook, there's all the legalese that need to be in there, but then also uh, the things that are really up to company to company, individually you need to pick. And, and we like your handbook to walk away with the – it should have the look, feel of your, of your company and not just a, uh, you know, a thick document that nobody wants to read. And and you help them put it online also, uh, so that they can see a digital copy. And uh, I I think this handbook's a, a big deal, and it's something in my coaching a lot of companies. If I ask that question, hey, where's your employee handbook? You know, the CEO is going to glaze over and go, I we've got one somewhere. Uh, but right. obviously, he that person he or she has not made it a big deal. Um, what else? Uh, Rob, would be on your mind in terms of developing culture. You mentioned one thing about uh, communication from the top all the way down, permeating uh, even entry level. How big a deal is that communication? Because I I see a lot of communication. It stops at the C-suite and just doesn't make it its way down to the factory floor. Um, What have you helped companies put in place to ensure that there is that internal communication. Sure, we've helped them with things such as company uh, weekly company newsletters to uh, via email to uh, quarterly meetings. So anything that you can do to uh, provide more communication to your employees is is a bonus. Uh, anything you can do to create an enhanced level of employee engagement to feel that they're part of uh, of, of of a bigger cause. And when you look at today's market, unemployment's at four percent. So jobs are don't you know jobs are being tighter and tighter. And so don't think your best people aren't being recruited because they are. Boy, that's a great point. Uh, your best could be picked off uh, by a competitor, a new startup that's got <laughs> a lot of bravado. I think this is happening more than ever. And, and obviously, you want a culture where you're developing. Uh, people into all-stars, and you're also developing um, all-stars into Hall of Famers. Um, Hiring and firing, I think that's two things that uh, many companies, I want to say most, struggle with hiring and onboarding someone into a new culture. Uh, Let's just talk about onboarding. Uh, Do you have a process? I'm a new company. I've got eight employees, and hopefully I'll ramp up to 20 employees, you know, if my projections uh, turn out the way I I believe. Um, Talk to me a little bit about that, onboarding. The onboarding, it's every company does it different. A ton of companies do, here's your key card, here's your your desk, you know, get to work. (laughs) Get to work. Uh, I think. (laughs) What have you, yeah. Exactly, but I think really your first ninety days of a of a new job are extremely important. It's going to set the tone. So we we chart out with our clients what does that first ninety days look like? What's your training program? What are you, what are the different facets of of the company that uh, 
uh, are you doing a welcome lunch with the employees? Are you do what type of orientation? That that first ninety days, uh, a lot of people think, all right, let's do just the first two weeks or thirty days. But you need to be doing a check in at sixty days, reviews at ninety, so that you you want that person to uh, to dive in and uh, and feel at home and uh, get uh, that that first ninety days is just extremely important. And you want them as swiftly as possible to add to the culture as opposed to detract from the culture. And, uh, you know, in the first 30 days, uh, if my expectations don't meet the reality, uh, I know my first job, on my first and only job in day one, uh, the owner goes, you know, the owner's not always right, but he's always the owner. And I'm like, okay. <laughs> and then the boss, my boss, the general manager who reported the owner said, you know what boss is backwards? And I go, uh, no. I'm like 21 years old. I didn't know what he was talking about. And he goes, double SOB. Now get out there and start uh, your nine o'clock assignment. And I'm like, oh my goodness. I thought you all loved me. You whined me and dined me and wanted me to be there. And now cold reality. Uh, that can start the uh, grumbling. I'm going to go home. Who am I going to tell about my negative experience? I'm going to tell my significant other. Um, how about firing, Rob? That's a defining moment in a company. I talked about a little bit before you got on the air. Uh, you know, don't let the door hitch in the rear end on the way out. Talk about how to take someone out of your company in a positive way. Uh, because if it's negative, everybody else on your team is going to see how you're going to handle someone that you're not happy with. How do you help someone Fire someone. You know, you make sure that you're well documented, especially in today's environment. Never do it by your, never do it by yourself. Always have a witness. And uh, well, that's a good point, Rob. Always have a witness. Uh, memorialize it. Hey, one more thing on this, Rob. Uh, writing down conversations I've had with my direct reports, kind of keeping a journal of thoughts. Uh, how important is it to memorialize? your interactions with your team today? Well, it is, uh, it is because if, if, uh, you know, everything's rosy, that's great. But if, if you're not memorializing things and there's something that, uh, a negative impact, and if at some point you have to have a, uh, terminate somebody, you really want some documentation. So more documentation, documentation is better than, than less. So you know it what? Is, it is important. I, I, I want to finish, uh, Rob. You, you've done something uh, with your team uh, that I think is pretty special, uh, and that's everybody in your company has a little elevator pitch on what Employco is all about. Uh, your team is your best salespeople uh, in, in some services and products more than than others. Uh but I think when, you know, if you're at a cocktail party, oh, so what do you do? Oh, I work at Employco. Uh, what is that? Uh, that's an opportunity for somebody on your team to showcase uh, who you are. That's a big deal today, isn't it? Uh, that that elevator pitch is known by every person on your team. Uh, Absolutely. And so many times you hear uh, companies create elevator pitches that are so long, you know, Think if you're on a quick elevator, you've got 10 seconds. It's not, it has to be something short, concise, get to the point, and that people can remember. 
Do you, do you help companies uh, if they need it with that elevator pitch? Uh, we do. It's it's you know part of what we help them with on the uh, on the HR side, and uh, it's it's an important part of because you never know where your next opportunity is going to come from. So, Rob, uh, let's go back to your company. How, how do we find Employco? I'm a company, and I, I like what I heard. And um, how how do I learn a little bit more about you and how you can benefit my company? Sure, absolutely. So our website is uh, is employco.com, E-M-P-L-O-Y-C-O.com. And to contact me, it's, it's uh, really easy. It's Rob Wilson at employco.com. I, uh, I uh, replied to all my emails. and uh, oh, Hold up. To, uh, yeah, wait a minute. You, you mean we can talk to the big cheese? We, we, we go right to the top? I like it. Uh, right a lot of companies top. don't do that today, Rob. No, you know, a lot of times you hear, uh, "Oh, contact in, in, info at XYZ Company." But uh, you know, uh, Rob Wilson at employco.com, happy to help. Well, if you're interested in uh, taking your company to the next level, if you're interested in bolstering, changing, updating, upgrading your culture. Uh, well, that's why we have Rob uh, Wilson on the line. Rob, thank you so much. You're our go-to guy in terms of corporate uh, relationships and small to medium-sized businesses. Thanks a lot, Rob. We appreciate it. Thanks for having me on as a guest. Jim, just as we you know, kind of recap that, that Rob Wilson interview real quick, with hiring being so important right now, you, you said that uh, you get there a little bit early, you know? I've gotten to interviews before I was out in, you know, kind of the entrepreneurial space. I, I would get to interviews and just kind of just kind of sit back a little bit before I even walked in to introduce myself. And odds are that the top talent out there that you want, they're analyzing you. And when you do a great job like that, first of all, when you have great first impression and then you have great benefits. I was in a situation one time waiting on a job offer from one company, had a job offer from the other company that's probably a little bit less. But like Rob said, I got my birthday off. There were some just really cool fringe benefits. That was enough to say no to a little more money because the other company, honestly, just felt like chaos. And I wanted to go to work and be happy. I, I think there's another thing. Are you promoting from within? You know, so if I come in and, and one level, uh, is there a management program where I can fast track myself uh, into a C-suite leadership? What What's my future with this company, I, I've had so many people tell me, I want this to be my last job. I want this to be my last home corporate-wise. Uh, and um, I, I think people really want to be appreciated. And I, I do know people want to be an integral part of something greater than themselves. So that corporate e-letter, newsletter, that's a big deal, showcasing the the victories of the company and showcasing the people in the company that uh, had their fingerprints on that victory. I, I think uh, I think those are all important things. So that's bringing me to who's in the zone. Every single week, we can always learn from the, the world class performers in a bunch of a, diff- a bunch of different arenas. That's why we always take a look at this because there's something you can walk away with. Officer Tony Carlson police officer and he would like to be called a peace officer and i thought wow it's kind of an old school term yeah but a peace officer what a positive thing an integral part of the community um 
he found a homeless person who um, wanted a job and a job at McDonald's. And he saw this person in a gas station trying to trim his beard with a, a dull razor. And oh, there's nothing more that that hurts. That physically hurts. This police officer took the homeless man and actually helped him shave and groom himself. This went viral. Uh, uh, and the officer really is a uh, low-profile guy, heart-of-gold kind of guy. And he, um, he had one objective, help this person get up off his feet and get a job. Uh, even saw him under a bridge uh, with his family. And, and they took him to McDonald's and ordered him food. Uh, this made its way uh, not only into the news, uh, this happened in Florida, uh, but one of the state senators saw it because he had a challenge, the homeless person. He needed ID. So he didn't have a birth certificate, couldn't find it, obviously somewhere, didn't have any uh, ID. And the police officer and the state senator helped fast-track that. And now he has a job with McDonald's. Uh, There is a management program. And this homeless person, as really with the help of a police officer, uh, has uh, lifted himself up off the street and is a viable citizen. Uh, And now he's with a company that uh, really believes in in helping and uh, cares about the human resource of the company. McDonald's have helped so many people uh, get their first job. In fact, one of the companies may be leading the world in first jobs uh, for so many people internationally. Let's go ahead and talk about Penn State, actually. Just just confirming what we already know about the zone. They did a study on whether or not you were more stressed out and less focused. Uh, just if you spent the first couple hours of your morning and the couple hours before bed worrying. I saw that and I'm like, oh, I already know how this is going to go because I know Jim Fannin in the zone. And the bottom line is you go to bed thinking about, oh, my gosh, what if something goes wrong? You wake up like that. Odds are it's not going to go wrong. But what happens is, man, that really saps the productivity out of your day. So, you know, we've got science proving again what science has already proven with uh, the score system. You just can't wallow in that negativity and be at your best. Well, we need to get up happy. And we need to go to bed happy. And if we can frame our day like that, everybody listening, get up happy. Instead of getting up going, oh, my gosh, I don't want to go to work. Oh, I'm so tired. Oh, I'm hungry. I don't want to talk until I have breakfast. I need a cigarette. Where's my coffee? You know, get up happy. Get up happy becomes easier when you go to bed happy. And framing your day is how you have a positive week, a positive month, a positive year, a positive life. But this applies to companies. When you get to the company, if you're seeing everybody as a team happy, smiling, greeting you by name, Sam, then (laughs) uh, you're off to a good start. And it's also how you leave a company. Because don't forget, when you leave your company, then you need to do the 90-second rule. Before you go home, 
you've been away from somebody you love or care about at least two hours, the first 90 seconds has more impact on your relationship than spending hours and hours with them later. But if you go home in a negative mindset because of your company, because that's how the day ended, there's a good chance you'll violate the 90-second rule. You'll go home and be grumpy, and you're going to pass grumpiness and share grumpiness, share a negative attitude about your company with your family. And at some point, your significant other, because you've only brought negative news, I see this with sales guys that travel a lot. They'll be on the phone with their significant other. Hi, how was your day? Oh, my God, I had so many meetings. I'm going, it's raining. Uh, you know, I had a cab. I got drenched. Uh, the, the delays. They're always telling about the good news. Now, he didn't tell you about the lobster dinner he had last night and all the good fun that he had. People share negative news. And um, when that happens... The negativity from a company goes back to the house, percolates. Eventually, somebody in the house is going to go, why do you work there? I don't know why you don't get another job. You seem miserable. No, no, I'm fine. Yeah, but all you talk about is negativity. And and once that happens, uh, boy, it's really not only permeated the culture of the company, you've now let it go into your house. And that's not acceptable. You know, your home, that's a positive sanctuary. Um, Get up happy. Go to bed happy. Go home positive. Do not violate the 90-second rule. Hi, I'm home. I mean, how many times has the dog not shown up? That's not a positive. You want to be be greeted uh, at home. But the same thing happens also in your company. Let's go ahead and talk about uh, something else that LeBron James, the guy's got a lot going on, without a doubt. But one thing that I'm kind of bummed didn't get some more positive press here, he actually opened a school for at-risk students. It's third and fourth graders this year. They're going to have 240 total kids. Public school uh, picked via a a random lottery, and then they're going to expand eventually to serve grades first through eighth. Uh, this is a really special school for a lot of reasons. They're actually going to have a longer school year for kids that uh, are a little behind academically. Now, is this uh, in his hometown of Akron? Th- this is in his hometown of Akron. Akron, Ohio. And not only you know are they getting a fantastic school experience to get caught up academically, he said that having a bike was really important to him as a kid and really kind of opened the world up to him. And so every single kid that walked through the doors on day one actually got a bike. Come on. <laughs> Are you serious? That's, that's a pretty good little perk oh right there. Oh, my goodness. That was a big deal to me. That gave me the latitude to uh, – I was not allowed to go past 29th Street and 13th Street uh, on foot. But, man, when I got my bike, I was pushing the borders. I was really pushing <laughs> it. I felt like, you know what? I can go all the way to the extremes of my boundaries. That bike is a big deal. Kudos to LeBron. That is pretty amazing. Everybody gets a bike. Um, I've never heard that. Um, that's a big deal. That's empowering. Oh, you've never heard it before? I don't. <laughs> this has never been done before. He's in uncharted territory. Uh, not at a school. Yeah. A, even a private school. This is a public school, I believe. Yeah, this is a public not? school. This is a public school, and you get in via lottery. LeBron James, uh, you're in the zone on the court, and uh, it sounds like you're uh, in the zone off the court. I did see a clip of this, Seth, 
of him walking to school, into the school, and unannounced, no one knew, and the kids were in awe, uh, not only of uh, his 6'8 size, uh, but of just him. And there was no color. Uh, It was just uh, an energy force had walked into the school, a positive energy force, and uh, he's sharing that. Uh, LeBron James, you're in the zone. And we've got to talk about a parent who's in the zone here because obviously swimming pools are a great accessory to any home. I mean, okay, they're also some work, but they're a great accessory. They raise the uh, you know the price, the home value. They're a lot of fun. However, there is a, a danger factor there as well. Uh, one father really was concerned about this and became an inventor, actually invented a drone that stays in the pool. And if for some reason something goes into the pool that's not supposed to be there, the drone's camera picks it up and alerts your phone immediately. What? So if you're, you know, if you had a young kid and they got through the fence or something like that and fell in the pool, you would know immediately because the drone is actually watching and even can tell like when something goes underwater. Uh, or if you're on vacation and teenagers sneak into your pool and start using it all week, you're going to find that out. Well, too. and you are liable if someone yeah. actually breaks into your home, gets in your pool and dies. Uh, you're actually liable for that. I believe that's accurate. If I'm not accurate, uh, somebody uh, uh, somebody out there in our listeners uh, clue me in, but I, I believe that is accurate. That's an amazing, it's pretty simple too because the drones uh, have really, uh, the price of a drone and how to operate a drone has become easier and definitely uh, drones are more accessible. What a great invention. Yeah, and you know, we talk about the zone tapping in your in, into your intuition, tapping into being able to see around corners. Man, this is one of those things. That as soon as somebody did it, it's like, oh yeah, of course we need that. But somebody had to see where other people hadn't gone yet. Well, out of necessity, uh, it comes the uh, invention. So his concern for his own kids spawned uh, something that's going to hopefully impact lots of kids and prevent a lot of accidents from happening. Let's go ahead and talk about some good news because we are America's most positive podcast. And sometimes I'm surprised at how I really have to dig for these amazing stories that I can't believe more people aren't finding out about. But you talk about, you know, negativity travels 20 to 1 uh, faster unless you do something about that. You choose to be a positive person, right? How about this? Can't believe it wasn't front page news. Uh, There's an experimental Alzheimer's drug uh, that has uh, reduced the toxic proteins, which causes the memory loss. By 70%. That's a massive, massive step forward. Still in the experimental phase, but this they did it on you know, trial people, and it worked. It's shutting down the Alzheimer's disease before it can become advanced in this group. That should be headlines. I don't understand that. Alzheimer is so uh, prevalent in our society, uh, and there's probably everybody listening has been touched by someone in your family that has Alzheimer's or had Alzheimer's. I know it's touched my family. And um, it, it's, a, it's a devastating disease, not, not only for the person that has it, but for everybody around them, where it's just hard to comprehend that the person I love doesn't know who I am yeah. or doesn't remember these milestones that we've shared together. Uh, that can be heartbreaking. That can be traumatic. And, and that puts amazing stress. So to find a cure for this and a prevention of this, oh, my goodness, why isn't that front news? That, that should be more important than politics right now. 
I'm sorry. Um, but, uh, you know, we're in a society right now where uh, whatever sells, sells. But for my money, positivity needs to take the uh, forefront of what needs to be sold, needs to be broadcast. So uh, researchers, you're in the zone. And here's another story that I, I couldn't believe wasn't out there more I had to dig for. Dolly Parton, uh, you know, a pretty iconic singer, performer. And actually, Jim, shares a little bit of history with you as far as both of you were actually born on a dirt floor. And it is another example of it, you know, wherever you start, you can go unbelievable places. So I don't know if you've ever related, you know, her story to yours like that, that you guys kind of started in a similar situation. Well, I went to school in East Tennessee and, uh, you know, Dollywood down in Pigeon Forge and, and uh, uh, where Dolly's from. Uh, I, I know that area extremely well. And, uh, yeah, you know, when when I hear about someone that had humble beginnings and, and they've made it, so to speak, but even more importantly, they give back, which Dolly Parton does give back. Uh, well, and I didn't realize how much she'd given back. So you talk about just achieving a high daily standard and doing that for a long time. Well, what happens when you achieve a high daily standard of giving back for 20 years? I had to read this headline twice. You give away 100 million books for children's literacy. 100 million wow. over 20 years. Wow. Yeah. We, we, we gave away like four or 5,000 books uh, to a city recently. 100 million. That's a daunting number for a career. Um, and, and probably not all her books, probably just books in general. Just books, yeah, just books, you 100 know, million books. Wow, Dolly Parton, you're in the zone. That's, that's, that's more than giving back. That's giving people uh, written inspiration uh, that they can not only read from a book, but they can also pass it on. So 100 million books, how many actual people have in, been impacted by a hundred million books, we're talking billions. Um, so when you look at it through that lens, wow, Dolly, you're in the zone. And we've got to do one more piece of good news slash in the zone here. Uh, Jim, have you ever brought somebody on and they, they really start at a negative place? Like, hey, I know I want to make some changes. I know I need a coach, but oh, well, Jim, you just don't know about this challenge. It's just, uh, you know, it's probably too late for me to to really get out there and achieve my dream. I mean. If, 2,500 clients, has that come up a couple times? Uh, that's come up quite a bit. And, you know, I, I, a lot of people have walked in um, with that albatross of whatever it is uh, around their neck. And it, it's impacted them physically, mentally, spiritually. And um, I've seen a, a few people that are spiritually bankrupt. And not just physically bankrupt. I, I got no money. But I think emotionally bankrupt, spiritually bankrupt. Uh, yes, I've had quite a few people walk in like that. Well, if you want to talk about it never being too late, we've got to talk about Ernestine Shepard, who is a personal trainer and bodybuilder. And uh, she actually runs 10 miles every morning and uh, does weight training four days a week. And you're like, okay, well, that's... That's cool. What's the, what's the big deal? Uh, well, well, hold up. <laughs> 10 miles is 10 miles. <laughs> That's 10, still a big deal, 10, yeah. Yeah. I don't remember the last time I got up and ran 10 miles. Well, the big deal is that she had never worked out a day in her life until she was 56 years old. 
She's doing that all at 81, and she is a personal trainer. At 81 years old, she has 10% body fat. She's in phenomenal shape. What? That's awesome. Uh, you know what? It's never too late. I like that. And, and that's the American spirit. She's a pioneer in her own body. And now she's spreading the news and uh, helping other people be better. What an example. What an example. To be 81 years old, first of all, and still be active in a career, that's amazing. I know. And then to train like that and be a physical specimen of an example, but then spreading it to other people. You know, age is a mindset. It really is. Uh, We put shackles on each of us. Yeah, yeah, I'm getting old. Yep, 80 years old. I've had a good life. What's the rules here? What is the human potential? Is it 125, 150 years old, 200 years old? We had a show uh, talking about uh, kidneys being able to be replicated. I, I need a new kidney, and there it is, a new liver, a new heart. But what do we really need, America? Yeah, we may need some body parts. There's no question. But I think we need a new spirit. I think we need a new attitude. And if we can get in the zone and spread the tools, the tips, the techniques to help other people get in the zone, you're going to find that when you look in the mirror, you might be 105, 110. I think one of the greatest things is giving And it's not just giving of money. It's not just giving 100 million books, which is amazing for Dolly Parton. It's giving of your time. It's giving a kind word. It's giving a a small smile. It's giving a pat on the back. It's giving. And that is a selfish activity. But I think it's going to spawn longevity, you know, the more you give. And um, I want all of us to think about that. What have you done lately? to give to your family, give to your community? What kind of kind act have you given to a stranger helping somebody out and you want nothing in return? No fanfare, no PR, no going viral. What have you done? And I'm saying more and more people gravitate to this type of kindness And I I know we live in a world where we see wars and negativity and we see threats. Uh, We see a lot of bickering. We see putting other people down. And, And it stems from leaders on a national, international, state, city. But the bottom line is, what do you think? What's on your mind? Are you in control of your thoughts? And are you thinking as a champion, one that's disciplined with goals, one that's focused, being in the moment, experiencing the now, wanting to be in the present, the majority of your waking hours? It's being confident so you can spread confidence. It's being relaxed so I can help foster other people from being worried or fearful. And and it's enjoying life. So I can share that joy. And yes, you have 
an S-C-O-R-E level, but so does your company. What are you doing to contribute to S-C-O-R-E, the score level of the entity you're overseeing? And of course, we've been talking about it. That's your culture. And I think when positivity, extreme positivity, enters your life and and you put a a moat or uh, some type of psychological barrier that negativity is just not going to permeate. No, get out of the temple of Jim. Get out of the temple of Sam, Seth. Get out. (laughs) That you don't let it in. Um, That's going to help longevity. And before you know it, you'll be starting your own business at age 93, uh, kicking ass, taking names, and having fun and making an impact on everybody around you. Age is a mindset. Uh, Why can't we live to 125? Why not 150? Well, we got to take care of ourselves physically. We know that. But how about emotionally? We need to think about what we think about. That's what we need to think about. Your thoughts create that internal dialogue, that internal invisible manuscript, and it's being broadcast to everybody around you. Don't for a second think that it's housed only in your mind. She's such an idiot. I hate, I I even hate how she dresses. Look at her. Who does she, see, that's in my mind. Nobody can hear that. I'm being a victim or I'm being a judge. But it's being broadcast physically with my body language and eye roll, emotionally. And it's being broadcast intuitively. Think about what you think about as you go out and have a zone day. And right now, Seth, I think it's time for the Zone Cafe. Let's go ahead and cruise in here. And remember, because just the theme of the show this week, you need to be doing a score, che- a score check on yourself. And like Jim said, also, especially if you're in leadership, if you're in management, get there a couple minutes early, grab a cup of coffee, walk around and just ask yourself about the S-C-O-R and E of the place you're working, the place you're leading. And be in the present when you do that. Look people in the eye long enough to discern eye color. Call people by name. Grab, touch their hand, you know, grab them by the hand with a good positive uh, handshake. Good morning. It's a great day. How are you? I'm three levels above awesome. From the leader, when this type of positivity happens, we're talking a ripple effect. But what's the missing link in your culture? So drive your company right now, you as well. Your company's in the back seat. It's an entity. There it is. And you're driving up to the Zone Cafe, and you can order one of these five things for your company. And and realize that when these five markers are balanced at a high level, productivity increases. Performance is enhanced. And that's not only going to benefit everybody in the company, it's going to benefit prospects, vendors, clients, customers, and then it's going to come right back and benefit the bottom line. You want the numbers in your company to change. You need to change the thoughts that run through each line item in your company. So pull up right now. Do you need self-discipline? Does your company have well-defined goals under a mission statement? 
And does it have a vision of, of what's going to happen 60 months from now, 36 months from now? It's not just this quarter, not just this month. Does your company need more discipline? And if it does, order it right now and then get busy setting those parameters, setting those goals, and sharing them with everybody in your company. But maybe your company needs to go back to the basics. Maybe try and do too much. Maybe try and dig income streams where you're not really an expert. Maybe you need to go back to your core values of what made the company good or great or why you started the company to begin with. So maybe your company needs to focus energy. And maybe you need to focus on the thoughts of your customers, your employees, your prospects. Where do you need to focus the mental, physical energy to tasks, to goals, to vision? Does your company need concentration? Maybe your company needs a swagger. Maybe competition's been ferocious. Maybe you've been cutting back, trying to save money because the competition's undercut you. So instead of fighting them head on, you're playing defense. I'm laying off 10%, 15%. I'm closing a couple of stores. Is that where you are? Maybe your company needs optimism, some hope, some belief some expectancy. Maybe it needs it short-term for a little boost, and maybe it needs it long-term. Where's that going to come from? Well, it's going to come from you, the leader, but you need to look in the mirror first. If your company needs optimism, order it now, and then you, you can ask Jim at jimfannon.com, and if you don't have some tools, I'll provide a few for you. But maybe You've been plugging along really tough and competition's been ferocious and maybe the work ethic is really there, but maybe you lack a little imagination, a little creativity. So how do you get that? I was with a big company who had their whole moniker about imagination, the imagination company. Where, where's that building that's housing the imagination? I'm looking around, I don't see it. I saw no imagination, none. You know why? Because it was so stringent, the processes, that no one was relaxed. Everybody was worried about what have I done for you lately. So if your company needs a big shot of relaxation, maybe you're not reflecting relaxation. You know, stress runs downhill. You want to empower people, not just put them under the finger and make them work. This is 2018. Times are different. People are always looking to be better. A lot of people believe they can leave and start their own company. It's happening every second in our country. Do you need relaxation? But maybe, maybe your company just needs some fun, some enjoyment. Is the boss smiling? Well, if he's smiling, everybody else can smile. But if he's got a frown, it's hard to smile when the boss has a frown. I'm going to mirror probably what I see leadership have. And how can the company have more enjoyment? Because that is reflected to prospects, clients, and your clients are your greatest source of bringing in new clients. But if your team's not happy, you can bank that your employees aren't happy. So what do you need as a company? Do you need self-discipline? 
concentration, optimism, relaxation, and enjoyment. Make that decision. And then once you're aware of it, what can you do to facilitate bolstering that weakest link in your company? And now you, you need to end it by saying, well, what do I need? How was I this week and what do I need going forward next week so that I continue having the greatest month I've ever had, the greatest quarter I've ever had, or the greatest year I've ever had? Self-discipline, concentration, optimism, relaxation, enjoyment. And this score check is an awareness focusing. Do this all the time. You don't need to do it just on the Jim Fannin show. You know, we end our show every, every week with a score check. Use it. This is your tool. This is our gift to you. Wake up and do a score check. Do a score check before a meeting. Do a score check at the end of the month so that you can get ready for a great month. Do a score check every Sunday night to see what's missing so that you can plan and visualize the greatest week, the greatest next seven days that you have ever had. It's time to get in the zone, everybody, that purposeful, calm feeling when everything is possible. So if you want to make more money and be happy and take that happiness home with you, your company needs to get in the zone. And that's the only place to be. Be in the zone, everybody. Have a great week. This is the Landry Football with Chris Landry. Quick Fix on Radio Influence. We don't know what the investigation is going to uncover, but my sense is that clearly Ohio State would like to keep Urban Meyer um, because of his success. And I do believe that a quick investigation and a firing would not have looked good. People say, well, if they were going to fire him, they'd have fired him already. No, I don't think they're going to fire him. But if they made a quick firing, they have better uncovered something, you know, in, in initially. Because the whole point is you can't sit there and kind of be on a witch hunt. You have to be thorough. And if you terminate and try to terminate with cause, you better have everything lined up to show that he violated A, B, C, D, E, whatever it is. You know, this would be attorneys talking to attorneys at that point. If they do find that he was negligent in some way, they would go to him and say, guys, this is what we got. We can terminate you with cause. And then Urban's attorneys would say, talk to Urban and say, yeah, they, they're likely going to win. Do you want to try to settle? Well, usually these things end up in a settlement because the court costs, the legal fees mount up, and if you're talking money for money, all Ohio State's trying to do is protect their financial interests. And all Urban Meyer is doing is trying to protect his financial interests. Chris Landry brings you Landry Football every week on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn Radio, Google Play, and of course, RadioInfluence.com.